Welcome back to another episode of No Ride Around. We got some fun stuff in store for you today, including uh, an on-air guest, uh, my friend Sebastian from Crank Brothers. Um, but it's summertime, and lots of fun stuff happens in summertime when you ride bikes. And uh, our buddy Justin here had a, quite the adventure this weekend. And then I work retail, so every day is an adventure. You work post-COVID retail? Like No, like during COVID. Like I know, but like now we're post-COVID. Okay. And so um, there, I think there's been like... Uh, so for instance, I have gone shopping in public more times now post-COVID in the land of face masks. Well, post-quarantine. Post-quarantine. Because we're not post-COVID. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's still COVID. Yeah. So post-quarantine. You know how many times I've grocery shopped without brushing my teeth? Because I'm like, dude, whatever. I got a mask on. Like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't even... Matter of fact, the other day, I left home on a road bike, like, just a training ride, and I was finishing at the gym, and uh, I was drinking coffee up until, like, literally putting my kit on, drinking coffee, getting my helmet on, still drinking coffee, and so I'm going to leave. I'm like, oh, I got to brush my teeth. I'm like, whatever, no, dude. I'll get to the gym. I have toothbrush, toothpaste there. Um, I get to the gym. Dude, I think I worked... Six more hours before I remembered. Now it's like 5 p.m. I'm like, in my feet and teeth are like furry, you know? I'm like, uh, oh, gross. Let me get in that bathroom. Yeah. So you've got to have stories post-quarantine. Well, I've got I've got two kind of funny ones. Um, and they both happened yesterday. Um, so in Denver County, there's a mask mandate. And I'm not here to debate the, the pros, the cons, does it work or doesn't work. All I know is I get a fine. If somebody from the city finds out that I'm having staff and customers in the building with a mask not on their face, right? So we enforce it because I ain't got an extra thousand dollars per per person that that doesn't wear a mask. Yeah, it's straightforward. So to combat the people who don't bring them or forget them in their car, I went ahead and bought like two hundred disposable masks. First of all, was surprised they were available for sale, but they are. Um. And so, greet people at the door. Hey, do you have a mask? No, I didn't bring one. Here's a disposable one you're welcome to have. Haven't had anybody give any pushback. Everybody's been super cool about it. Actually, when I get a disposable mask for free, I'm like, score. Now I, I can extra now, one. Like for a day or a day yeah, or two, yeah, like or I have like an extra one. Yeah, month or whatever. Or a month. <laughs> um, so, this whole exact scenario plays out. Guy just wanted to buy a lock. Comes in happily throws on the mask that we offer him and then on his way out dead ass dude just looks me dead square in the eye and goes do you want this back and like points to the mask oh my like nah dude uh, like um you can keep that <laughs> 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 like i'm all set thanks yeah, that's like just goofy do you want my used underwear yeah, or yeah. some chewed up gum. Do you have any gum? No, I don't have any gum, but can I have the gum out of your mouth? Yeah, yeah sure. That, that was kind of how that felt. That's gross. Um, so that one was, I mean, that hadn't happened yet, so. Yeah, no, 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 guy, you can have it. No, you, you know what? Just just hang on to it because you clearly don't have one in your vehicle. You know what I would recommend doing, though, when you get to your car? Simply say, hey, Siri, what is the definition of disposable? <laughs> <laughs> She, she just, she just, I have her on airplane mode and she just, you're not connected to the internet. Uh, that was good. Um, the other one, uh, and so again, 
in the the COVID times with no bike racing and no events, um, there's a lot of makeshift events. We've got our own version of it. Um, there's a lot of virtual, you yep. know, biggest air quotes you could imagine, virtual yep. racing and virtual events. And for better or for worse, they're getting people riding bikes. This guy, you know, he's a customer of ours. He's not a, a regular. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I recognize the bike. I recognize his, the half of his face that I can see. And he comes in. He's like, man, my drivetrain's just like, like my gears, like something just feels really off. Like when I get up in, in the easy gear, when I get up in that, that 42 tooth that, or 46 tooth or whatever, it, it just, it feels really like grindy. So throw the bike up in the stand. I shift through all of his gears, everything looking fine. Like everything's working the way it's supposed to. I feel a little bit of like a little vibration up in the easy gear. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't know. I, I don't see anything. It, it Everything's working the way it's supposed to. He's like, man, I don't know. It's just, it's really bugging me. Do you, do you hear that? Do you hear it? I'm like, man, I kind of feel some vibration. Tell you what, let me throw a chain checker on. So I put the chain wear indicator on his, his chain and it is all the way worn out, like off the scale, worn out chain by extension, everything else. Which like in just to clarify for like, cause I'm an idiot. This is all making sense to you, but most of the people listening yeah. to the podcast don't know. Where so in a stand, things can look and appear really fine. Then yeah. you're like going right on underweight yeah. until and that's you're, you're pedaling in. Chain, yeah. All, yeah. Yeah. So, but I throw the culprit is definitely the fact that, this guy's entire drivetrain is just worn rubber band. It, it there's nothing left to it. Yeah. Like it's, he goes, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, I am doing this Everesting challenge. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, what? He's like, well, I've ridden 26,000 feet of vert in seven days. Uh, yeah, bud. Yeah, dude, <laughs> your goddamn chain <laughs> is go, worn you, out. You go through some stuff. <laughs> I, was, I was like, <laughs> He was so dumb. He was genuinely dumbfounded. Not, and, and I'm not saying that to talk trash on the guy because he's not a bike mechanic, so he yeah, shouldn't. Right. But like, he put a lot of wear in a really condensed period of time. Right. It, so it was. Just, it had me like, I was like, dude, I'm not laughing at you. I've just never had this conversation. I've been doing this for 20 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> he left with a new chain. Uh, no, because he still had. 3,029 feet had, to yeah, go. Four, yeah, he still had like 4,000 feet to go. Yeah. So I was like, well, finish your Everest deal and then come in. He's like. Dude, I got you. So <clears throat> Everesting, you ready? Oh, yeah. People are doing this, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, you know, you get an Everest. And so. So I'm, Everesting is. It's climbing 29,029 feet of elevation, the elevation of Mount Everest, mm -hmm. right? Um, Usually in a day. It, it's in a single. It's a, it, Technically, it's a single event, right? Yep. It's, it's a day. So, you know. 12 hours, give or take, is about what you're doing. So find a big-ass hill around your house. Find a, a, a token climb in your area and just loop it until you've hit 29,029 feet, right? So this became – this is like the thing, and in this post-quarantine, no races, everyone's doing it. Um, I got requests quite often, like, dude, you can do it. Dude, you can do it on a single speed. Dude, you can do single speed mountain bike Everest. Like, people asking me mm -hmm. quite a bit, and I, I hadn't committed to doing it and, and hadn't yet. And now, like – it's like the ice bucket challenge. Yeah, it's Remember so so overdone right yeah, now. Yeah, like everyone did the ice bucket challenge. It's like, well, you're not cool now. Like everyone did it. Not to diminish, like that's a hard day. It's a hard day. Okay, so I meet this guy Logan Casper out at Mohican 100 mm -hmm. back in May, 
and he told me what he was planning to do. He just uploaded it like a week ago. My God. If you're planning to Everest, Logan's basically saying, that's cute. This dude does four Everests in a seven-day span. So he his plan was three. He had done with the third, and he said he had felt, because I messaged him after I saw he did it, and he goes, yeah, I actually felt pretty good. So I figured, why not? And I tacked on a fourth. So he did four Everests inside of one week, inside of seven days. Nope. Um, I mean, he's also all the way out. A highly accomplished <laughs> pro rider out of California, but um, four Everests in a week. Unreal. I mean, that's... That's, it's still like I caught a fish this big. <laughs> yeah. I I caught I actually caught Moby Dick. So see you later. All right. Just because we're talking about it, the current fastest known time. Oh yeah, it's been broken six times this year. Yeah. By the way, um, this is it because I thought his I thought so. Lachlan Morton from the Education First team. How old is this? Yeah, but didn't that? I think it got beat. Quinn kid beat. I mean, this is six twenty four. So he may have gone back. But uh, fastest no time, meaning how, how quickly they did in Everest. Seven hours, 29 minutes, and 57 seconds. Even if that's not the current record, that's blazing Seven fast. Hours of, you know, I think it's hard for people to put that into into your head. Like, think of the biggest hill by oh, your house. Contador beat him. There it is. Think of the biggest hill by your house. It might be, it might be 2,000 feet of elevation. Right, and so think of the biggest one in your area, and you might be able to find a three thousand foot climb depending on where you live, and then just do that ten times. All right, so former teammate of cycling's biggest villain, Lance Armstrong, uh, Alberto Contador, um, broke the record in seven hours twenty seven minutes and twenty seconds. He beat Lachlan by two minutes thirty seven. <sighs> He had to ride the same stretch of roads 78 times, though. Yeah, see, so it's just there's so many different ways to do yeah. it. Yeah, um, he didn't find a loop. He just found stretch, a stretch up, of roads. Go yep. up, go down, yep. go up, go down. Yep. So, uh, but it's just, it's just, yeah, it's crazy what, pe- what people are doing, you know? You um, had your own high elevation adventure this past weekend, also. Yeah, we did. So, this last weekend was supposed to be the Silver Rush weekend. Yep. Both the, the ride and the run. And, a buddy of mine, Rob, who was on my 24 hours old Pueblo team, fast guy, he was planning to do Leadman this year. And so when Silver Rush, when it was all canceled, you know, this weekend was open for him. And keeping in the spirit of having a, a Leadville inspired weekend, he put together a ride where we were going to go from Kenosha Pass to Leadville on the Colorado Trail. And uh, if anyone's ever ridden the Colorado Trail or hiked it or been on it, there's really like two types of Colorado Trail. There's the Colorado Trail that's around the Denver area, you know, down by Waterton Canyon, out at Buff Creek, and you're like, oh, it's the Colorado Trail. It's it's so nice. That's like the um, I only drink bubbly flavored water, my car is electric, and I get a dental cleaning every six months like type of Colorado Trail. And then you have the Colorado Trail that is where we were, you know, the high elevation, high alpine, mountainous, Leadville, like that area. And that's the like, I haven't showered in a week. I sometimes just scrape moss off of rocks for nutrition type of Colorado trail. The first time you, Berwin. yeah. So I, I am both <laughs> <laughs> right by default of having ridden with you and done some events out there, but I didn't know that I thought Colorado trail was the stuff that you see out in Buffalo Creek, which is mellow grades, not a lot of technical features, 
you still climb a lot, but and it wasn't until we did uh, Kenosha Pass to Georgia Pass to Breck, yeah, that I was like, oh, that's what it's like. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's World Cup downhill course, steep and technical and rocky. It is the hiking trail. It is uh, your 160 rotors. <laughs> Those yeah. are cute. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have brakes anymore. Yeah, at Breck Epic last year, I was like, man, this is not enough bike for this. Yeah, no, it's 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 biking. It yeah. is mountain biking. Yeah. So, uh, so you guys did some real deal shit though. Yeah, it was real fun. So we ended up riding from Kenosha, and then up and over Georgia Pass down to Breck, as you and I had done together. Mm-hmm. Which that was when I introduced you to chocolate covered espresso beans. Uh, that was when you you used them to bribe me to not create a <laughs> hole in the, the forest with your body in it. <laughs> oh man! And I think you you were you were staving off a mutiny from me and Dan Swanson. I think I kind of called them magic beans. <laughs> you did, <laughs> and uh, they got us there. But um, yeah, so we ended up doing that, and then um, and then we added. Wheeler Pass, which is in between Breck and Copper, descended into Copper, and then we rode from Copper up to Tennessee Pass, which got us um, basically to Leadville. Yep. So um, I pulled up your ride. Yeah. 67.7 miles, 11,000 feet of climbing. So that's that's a lot of vert and, and not a lot of miles because you, you only get another 1,000 for doing all 104 miles of Leadville. Yeah. I mean, it was... Um, we turned yeah. in a sub-8, though. Yeah. We, we put up... <laughs> it was fast. Uh for the bulk of us, but it was, it was gnarly. Like it, it rung some people out, you know, it rung out some highly accomplished riders, guys that are super fast and would ride faster than me on any given day. Um, it took some stomachs from people, which set them on the sidelines and it, uh, it took the soul of one rider for sure <laughs> and put him on the sideline. Yeah. Um, so a big fucking day. Yeah, wow. it was, it was a big day. And, um, but it, it was so fun, man. Like the group camaraderie was cool. We definitely had different speeds, and so there were a couple of us, you know, off towards the front. Um, and then kind of these like unspoken spots where we kind of linked back up and then went again. But it, it was definitely not a, you know, the term ride is lost, right? Because we use all these descriptors, right? You have like, you have a bro ride, you have a training ride, you have threshold rides, you have recovery rides, you have team ride, a club ride. Like you have all these different, like we forget sometimes that just ride is what we're out here yeah, for. Yeah, we're just riding bikes. And, um, that's what this group was really fortunately everyone was accomplished enough that we could just ride and it didn't get too strung out and it didn't become like a you know sometimes when you're like the the faster of the group the ride's not it doesn't count as a workout for you because you're kind of waiting a lot mm-hmm. and then sometimes when you're in the slower of the group you're just getting your ass kicked all the time the whole day getting yeah. your italian pit stop is what yeah. you've told me right you're just getting <laughs> yeah. your ass kicked and it's not fun either so it's kind of like a lose-lose um, and in this situation, we were fortunately able just to have like a really good, everyone got to ride. Yeah. It was awesome. No, it's awesome. So, um, it did not finish with a glorious riding through the streets of Leadville up to the hippie house that we had rented for the night. Oh yeah. What happened there? I forgot that you were going to do that. Well, we did it. We did end up riding up to the hippie house uh-huh. and having a wonderful dinner at 10 PM. Mm. Um, the ride started at 7 AM Kenosha. Mm. But at 10 p.m. we actually were eating food. Um, a lot transpired in the in the in between. Yeah, and, it shows uh, your elapsed time is 13 hours. Yeah. What was the ride time? 7:53. <laughs> okay. It's a lot of. It's a lot yeah. of. Canoidering. Uh-huh. There was there was canoidering, there was canoodling, <laughs> there was other types of ings. Yeah. Um, but uh, we made the last decision, the final group to leave the copper aid station. So we had. Uh, 
one of the guy's girlfriends and then Abby went to, they met us in Breck and then they met us in Copper with our aid station. So they had all of our stuff, cool. which is way cool, dude. I'm super stoked and grateful for them. Um, but when we decided to leave Copper, it was, it was already just about 5 p.m. And we're like, all right, cool. We just got, we have this massive climb up Searle Pass. And mm-hmm. then you get to descend Kokomo, which is sick. And then you're going to ride some fire road in a ride around because of wilderness area. Hey, no let... ride around, bro. I know. No, <laughs> a wilderness area ride around, like <laughs> by law. <laughs> I couldn't resist. We finish um, the descent of the Kokomo descent. And now it's like 7.45. And uh, we're thinking, you know, it would be really nice to just be eating food right now. Yeah. You know, I hadn't had a real meal all day. Yeah, you're, you're waffles eating and, and waffles and, and, that's and it, all yeah. day. And we're all kind of like, you know, real food would be good. And I was feeling good still. So, like, we could do the ride. But it would be nice to just be eating. And, uh, well, we look into Josh and I. So, I got to ride with Josh Tostado, which was amazing. Because yeah. that guy is, you know, you have, like, I'm a pro. But really, it's just because you, you won a bunch of races and you asked to be one. Yeah. But you don't get anything for it. <laughs> and then you have the, like, no, I'm, like, paid money. Yeah. Regularly. Like real pros. Like real pro. Privateer and, versus a, a so pro anyway. pro. Okay. So he's like pro pro. And yeah. it was just so, I was so grateful that he was, in, he was invited onto the ride. He wanted to do the ride and actually spent the whole, him and I spent the whole day together riding. Um, and it was, it was neat just to, just to kick it with someone at that level. And also to be able, now granted he was carrying a heavier bike. He was carrying a five pound heavier bike with 30 millimeters more of travel which thank God he had that because then we could stay together. <laughs> could just ride together. Otherwise, he would have been a rocket ship, I'm sure. Um, but we rode hard, and we rode up there, and I got just to know that guy, and he's super cool. So that was really neat. And then the other riders were great, too. I rode with this guy, Nate um, Vakura, who's stupid fast, and he's like steezy style on the downhills. <laughs> nice. Um, he works for Yeti, and he's just like a sender. Huh. Um, so, dude, he was cool, too. This guy, Kyle, who was a roadie pro. So um, he now, anytime he races now, he's still cat one, um, crush mode. He finished Leadville last year, sub eight. So like, not a slow dude. <laughs> you know, he's screaming fast. Yeah. Victor again from La Ruta, yep. um, and then Rob with 24 hours. So killer group. And um, anyhow, we get to this point. We're done with Kokomo Pass. The sun is setting. It's going to get cold. We're all like really craving this taco bar that Rob's girlfriend put together. And, uh, it takes one question. Hey, you guys, you just want to beeline it on the fire road and get to the highway and get to Leadville? Yep, 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 yep. Gone. Like, it wasn't even like, <laughs> There's no decision are you sure? <laughs> Everybody hit, everybody's just waiting for somebody to ask the Someone question. Someone had to say it. And I felt grateful that it was me that asked it because a lot of them just assume I'm the psycho. Yeah. And they're like, dude, this fucking guy's going to want to keep going, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, how about food? They're like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so we beeline this fire road to the highway. Dude, we screech to the highway. And I'm, at this point, I want to kind of see if I still had it in the legs. So I, I cooked the fire road yeah. and just, it was felt so good to spin and not have like rocks. You're not thrusting. grinding. You Dude. just spin them out. Yeah. Flush I mean, some lactic acid. Yeah. Just got to be vibrated as shit. Right. <laughs> so I'm hammering this fire road. We get to the highway. All of us come to the highway at, within about, you know, four minutes of each other. No sooner do we come back as a group. Does a giant fucking RV come driving up. The, so that we're, we're on a pass mm-hmm. on Tennessee pass. So this giant RV is grinding uphill, and you know how those big rigs are just like yeah. fighting uphill, right? Comes up. I don't even think twice. I start waving my arms at the RV to get it to, you know, because I know what I'm going to do. No one else does. So I'm waving my arms at the RV. The RV freaking stops. I fly up, pedal to the window. Hey, man, there's five dirty mountain bikers. Can we jump in the back of your RV and get a ride to Leadville? <laughs> <laughs> 
yep, sure can, guys. No big deal. Guy pulls over. We end up disassembling three bikes, burying them into their Jeep that they're towing behind the RV. All five of us get in the RV with this wonderful dude from Philadelphia, his wife, two kids, and their dog, who he sequesters to the back room, COVID. Right. And us five dirty, stinky dudes who've been out for 13 hours. Yeah. Riding this guy's RV all the way to Leadville, he drops us like off two blocks in front of the hippie house. I love it. I love it. Oh, it was amazing. One day we got a. Uh, your stories are always. Uh, you always find the the most interesting conclusions to your days. We got a on another episode. Um, we'll have to. We never told the Mongol story. Oh yeah, the Mongols are gonna have to be talked about. Yeah, we'll have to tell, tell that, that. I ain't next afraid time. of a motorcycle club. I make a friend out of anybody. I know you will. I know. But so we end up. Yeah, we end up yeah. getting RV shuttled. Uh, into Leadville, and none of us felt any shame about it. Like, what we missed out on was 13 miles of uphill pavement. Yeah, no thank you. You know, so we now say, like, well, we rode all the dirt between Kenosha and Leadville. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a kill ride. Uh, I think some friendships that were made that are going to last oh, that's quite awesome. a while. So, Good stuff. Well, um, at the top of the episode, I had mentioned that we're going to have our buddy Sebastian from Crank Brothers on here. Um, so give us a second, let us get them on the line and we're going to chat about some fun crank brother stuff. Heck yeah. All right. We are back we got my, my good friend Seb on the line here. Seb works over at crank brothers and, uh, crank brothers is, I was going to say a long time supporter of the podcast, but it hasn't been that long. So, I mean, I don't know, two, two years yeah, coming two years. up, <laughs> a year and a half. That's a long time. If you know, um, <laughs> listen Seb, to us. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah. Hey, um, I'm Sebastian with Crank Brothers, and I am my uh, actual title is uh, brand specialist. But uh, Crank is a uh, a pretty small brand internally. I mean, it's big externally. But uh, so with that being said, we wear a lot of hats. So I do a little bit more than just uh, than just brand specialist, which includes like. Um, sales support for inside and outside sales reps, um, you know, uh, basically tech talk, you know, um, instructions on, on pro- getting product up to speed, just in general, uh, brand knowledge. So um, with that comes customer service. And also um, I'm, in, I'm in charge of some regions, uh, specific regions, you know, mountain bike hotspots, uh, just to provide some extra support for the brand. That's awesome. Um... In years gone by, did you do more traveling for that position, for that brand specialist, like more bike shop level education, or um, has it all been like pretty right. based in in it at at the headquarters? At headquarters, yeah. So at first it was um at first it was at headquarters just to 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 understand the brand and and uh, and be at the office to see how the brand functions, understand the product. I mean. Um, I was already a very big fan of the brand before, which was great. Um, and I was writing the product and I love the brand. So it was just, it just made sense to to go over to the brand. And um, yeah, it was a lot of in store first and doing some local stuff. And then later on, it ventured into uh, to more traveling. Um, and then, yeah, moving forward with that. Not so much sure. this year though. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, not so much this year. That's been a, a, a good halt for sure. Yeah. But you know, trying to follow up and reach out as best as I can with, uh, you know, all the, 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 the tools we have now, you know, no doubt. So. yeah. By this time in yeah. the year, you've usually at least spent one Sunday at, uh, at base camp watching a, a world cup downhill race with us. 
Um, right? I was going to say, man, I missed that. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get that this year. The racing or the hangout time. Dude, I imagine, I know. based on the way the year has been for most cyclists, Crank Brothers' number one sold product has got to be the pedal refresh kit. Like that is, there are more like home mechanics, like at home hack mechanics, like myself, <laughs> hammering through training miles and alone time miles this year than any year on planet Earth. So I'd imagine you guys a sales report. It's got to be the pedal rebuild kit, like number one sold thing company wide has to be right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that and and just in general, I mean, you know, being luckily uh, the bicycle business, I think for most friends, uh, it's been it's been we're fortunate. You know, it's almost been too much <laughs> to yeah. hold on to, but yeah. uh, very fortunate, very fortunate that um, business is good and for sure refresh to the selling. I mean, yeah, it's one thing that that, that crank is 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 pretty unique is um, that we most of our products are and we try to at least make it. Um, where the customer can service it, you know, and, and, and make it very user-friendly with that. So, yeah, I mean, the refresh kits have been selling everything. I mean, we have nothing anymore. <laughs> it's like we're trying, to, we're trying <laughs> to just make sure Pleats. we keep up at the moment. Pleats, bearing kits, it's all gone. Yeah, any usable item. Or any any, any consumable, consumable item. Consumable item, yeah, yeah gone. CO2s, forget about it. Oh, dude. <laughs> CO2. Sure, uh, sure. so, so, Seb, we were talking about this before you got on the on the podcast, but I did this big ride last weekend, just Saturday, and um, – my my repair kit was swinging underneath the like my little my little race strap was swinging underneath my seat and I knew I'm like I'm gonna lose my repair kit but the descent was so gangster <laughs> it was so badass down Kokomo Pass that I'm, like, I'm, eh. I'm not stopping so I even felt it like slapping the back of my thighs I go this thing like it's really swinging and it's gonna go and um, what ends up shooting out apparently first I didn't know this. Uh, both of my Crank Brothers CO2s go like double eject. Both of them come flying out of the little pouch. And then ultimately the whole kit falls out. And that's when you stop because nothing against you guys said, but like a $4 CO2 cartridge, no big deal. But if I lost that tubolito, I was going to freak out. The $40 inner tube. <laughs> totally. So I lock up the brakes and get my repair kit. CO2 is nowhere to be found, right? Get to the bottom. And then you're kind of, then you're starting to think like, oh, damn, dude, I did lose those two CO2s. Eight bucks. Like, that's yeah. eight bucks. And our final rider comes flying down and he goes, Hey man, did you drop these? He stopped and picked up my Crank Brothers CO2s, which was such a good come up. It felt those it felt like eight million dollars at that time. Dude, you know? I love it. I love it. That's good stuff. That's um, awesome. That's awesome. So um have you been a, a lifelong bike rider? Because I know I'm gonna jump around a little bit, but it all kind of ties together. Um just looking at your Instagram feed, uh you were in the motorsports industry at one point, but through that were you always uh were you always doing bicycle stuff yeah i mean um bicycles has always been a big part of my life um my uh just from going back to my my grandfather i mean and yeah i mean just my my parents in general my father and my grandfather were huge just into bicycles and motorcycles um so even i remember my grandfather he had a finger missing from his from from a motorcycle like just playing around and i was always like terrified of it but um <laughs> yeah just uh my in general i was always into uh into bicycles i grew up in the inner city miami and we didn't have trails but we had you know just the streets <laughs> so yeah. i was uh around i was around just whipping around i had a little crew and man we were hitting loading docks like jumping off Dude, loading docks and that's uh <laughs> that's the same story for me and colin growing up in new orleans there's no trails there but there's plenty of stairs right? stairs and loading docks 
Exactly. Actually, the closest thing I had to a trail, and I remember it very vividly, it was cool, was so in Miami, we don't even have any hills, of course, right. it's flat. So, but all the overpasses for the highways, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they, they go up in elevation. So we would use the side grass on the hill to like get up there and just like, we'd be marching, going down, like kind of traversing across the hill on our, on our BMX bikes, like just through the grass, like ripping and like, we had to jump over these little canals and stuff. So that was like about my off-road experience uh, uh, growing up when I was a kid uh, with that. And then um, really just, uh, I always rode bikes and did BMX. And then um, growing up, of course, you get a license and then you get cars and then, you know, you start you go travel and all that stuff. So, <laughs> so um, I stepped out of bikes a little bit for that, but I always just had a bike just around, you know, um, and then I got into motorsports, like you said. And then with that, um, I had a friend that was actually mountain biking. Um, uh, so like I kind of got out of it during high school, um, basically riding bikes. And then for a few years I did motorsports. And then I had a friend that was in motorsports, but then he was riding mountain bikes and they just said, Hey man, like you should check out the local trail system here um, and try it. And I was like, okay. And man, I got on the trail and I tell you, it brought back that feeling when I was in the neighborhood, like instantly. And I was like, Oh, this is it. You know? <laughs> so, awesome. um, yeah. So from there, I mean, honestly, that's all I'm chasing man. that same feeling I still get now, you yeah. know, um, when that feeling, when I was in my neighborhood, just ripping, jumping stuff, just, yeah. So, um, yeah, bicycles have always been a big part of my life. And then, I did a lot of road biking, uh, you know, when I got into it too. Uh, and then, yeah, it just, just, just transferred to everything else. I've seen much. some, uh, some pictures of you all spandexed out doing some cross country racing too. Yeah. Yeah. That was huge. <laughs> so of course, <laughs> yeah. In Miami, um, in Miami, you know, cross country is a jam, um, cause it's flat, uh, and they, they do a lot of levee riding and stuff like that. So yeah, I did, um, I did a bunch of, cross country riding because that's what you do in Miami. And um yeah, it was great. I I was okay at some of the sprint stuff, but um I think I don't know, I have an attitude with myself too where I like racing but I like to have fun. So yeah. um I just saw that the endurance races were a lot were just a lot more fun for me, you know. Okay. So um I did the, a lot of the endurance races, um a lot of six and twelve hours uh solos. And then, yeah, uh, that was great. I actually did really well. I was actually doing pretty de- decent. I got the expert on that. And then, yeah, after that, I moved to the Carolinas to open up a bicycle shop when I got into the industry. And then I got into gravity riding when I got to the mountains, and that got fun. So I just been doing that. It is like bit. the woohoo factor of riding big bikes down big hills is is unique. It's it's <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's own good. thing, right? Well, yeah, he has. You have the prerequisites. For for it which are the gigantic testicles that you grow when you do motocross <laughs> like yeah you know what i mean like those the badass gravity dudes are like well yeah i'm used to throwing a 350 pound you know motocross bike around i'll take the me i get going some of the speeds on those gravity courses and my like tiny little acorn nuts like nestle up next to my <laughs> adam's apple and it becomes an eve's apple and i'm like terrified brake rubbing you know yeah. so that motocross is huge for you gravity dudes yeah, 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 it is, it is, and and funny enough, um, same thing, I grew up in Miami, and, and I had a dirt bike as a kid, but it didn't even see the dirt, it just saw the street, right. <laughs> so um, I was really just ripping around, it was crazy to think about it now, but I didn't even have a helmet, I had a KX80 as a kid, and I was ripping in the streets, just like, no helmet, um, and yeah, I was a different time, doing man. that as a kid, and 
Yeah, none of us wore Every helmets. Time, man. Every time, man. Yeah. <laughs> I had a th- dude, my parents got me. We had a three-wheeler at the farm. Talk about a stupid device. Yeah, they just the, the collarbone breaker <laughs> yeah, 3000. The th- the three-wheeler. How to kill your kid yeah. by a three-wheeler. Real quick. <laughs> um So, um how long did you how long did you do motorsports and what kind of was there anything that was a, a catalyst for you wanting to get out of it or was it just kind of a a natural evolution and just kind of ended up in the bike business? Yeah. I mean, great question. Um, and I always, you know, like people ask me that all the time, <laughs> but, well, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, it, it's so for a lifelong bike industry, like I've never done anything except for the bike industry. Um, and the one thing that anybody that spends any significant amount of time is there's not a ton of cash in it, right? Like it's not a, it's not a get rich biz uh, for, for really anybody. And I think my perception is from a, an earning standpoint, like motorsport seems like a place where there's a lot of cash getting thrown around. And so just curious, not not that one's better than the other, but just curious, like what would nudge you one way or the other? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a love for motorsports also. I mean, just general mechanics things, just, you know, things that I like to tinker a lot. So, um, that just naturally led me into motorsports and I had a great avenue for that. I had some awesome connections through my dad and I got into, I mean, right, basically out of high school, I started working for, um, a pro, uh, international Ferrari race shop. Um, so, um, oh, just a small, high just a small, actually... small, small time is what you're saying, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was cool. It was a super unique opportunity and, um, yeah, at, at the time I was actually just, I was at, actually in mechanic school, um, auto mechanic school, and then also getting my, um, associates at, um, Broward community college and then for, uh, mechanical engineering. And then, yeah, it just happened that my dad, um, had a old friend that was managing a Ferrari race team that was running at the time, uh, it was called IMSA, um, which is, uh, international motorsports uh, association. It's, a it's basically the, one of the main main uh, sports car divisions uh, in internationally, but also, um, you know, nationally here. So, yeah, I mean, we did uh, we did that. We did 24 hours at Daytona. Um, we did a bunch of, I mean, Rolex series, and then I did a little bit of the Indy car too. I won't go too deep into that, but yeah, I did. Dude, you've done some cool shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome i did more sports basically uh nine nine years ten years all right um and i was specifically morphing i was specifically an engine builder i used to build engines for the factory mazda team and then um i was also pit crew so i actually jumped over the wall and i was changing the tires for uh, mazda and we won the 24 hours of daytona in 2010 that was kind of my my big highlight mm-hmm. um and then uh, yeah, from there on, um, reason I left was honestly, I mean, motorsports is great. It's a lot of pressure. Um, and there's a lot of instability also with that, just like with, you know, cars are moving billboards and like, you know, one year you have a lot of money, some years you don't, you know, and it's, it's up and down. I mean, it's, it's a great industry. It's very cool. And it's very elite. I mean, there's tons to learn from it, but there's a lot of pressure and, you know, it's just, it's just a different world. And, I was finding myself going to the bicycle shop and hanging out with my friends and like, damn, this is so chill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and, By comparison, and, for and, sure and, it is. <laughs> so I was like, Hey, um, let me, uh, I was like, 
all, and my friend, luckily, I mean, this was my high school friend that was running a shop and his uncle was the owner of the shop. And he was just like, Hey, um, you know, we need a service manager here. And he, and he loved motorsports and he loved me, I think in general. So he's like, look, man, he's like, I can't pay you what you're making there, but I'll get as close as possible. And then, you know, you know, you know, if you want to come and, and have a little bit more easy schedule, it's in that. And I was like, you know what? I was like, let me just change something up, you know? And a bunch of things were happening uh, in my lifetime that were, you know, I was making some changes, uh, you know, a lot of changes were going on. I tried to buy a house and it wasn't working. Just things were going opposite ways. So anyways, I just wanted to make a big change. I made a bunch of big changes in my life. And ultimately, yeah, like you said, it's uh, in the bicycle business, it's not necessarily the breadwinner, <laughs> but um, honestly, I get to talk about bikes and ride bikes and I don't feel like I'm at work all the time. So that's something special, I think, you know, so. Why is the um, common denominator yeah. with everyone we have on, like that has made a career other than, you know, like for Harley, yeah. sole proprietor, uh, there you go. Like, that's what you do. But you made a career in the industry and all of them are like, yeah, man, I just like kicking it with everyone. It was yeah. just the vibe. It's I mean, that's how vibe. I got started. I yeah. mean, you know, like, I mean, it's why I'm sitting up here. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I mean, that's, there's something to be said for not having an ulcer at, you know, 25 or 28 years man, old. I know, right? <laughs> um, Tell you, man, for sure. For sure. Right on, man. Well, let's uh, let's move over to talking a little bit about uh, Crank Brothers. Um, you know, Crank Brothers hit my radar probably in the early 2000, like 2001, just with the egg beater pedals. Like, yeah. And, and now it's they make everything. Well, my first Crank Brothers was uh, when I first got back into riding mountain bikes after college, like those years you talked about when you got your license and you're chasing girls. Mine kind of stretched through, yeah. like blacking out and chasing girls, which is fun because then you forget that you were chasing them in the morning because <laughs> you blacked out. <laughs> so after that, so I got when I first moved to Colorado, I bought like a bike off of Craigslist and started riding with a a guy I had met um, through our church anyway, and uh, he had a dropper post, and I'm like, what is that crazy thing, right? And it was the I think Crank, did, did Crank Brothers not make the very first dropper post? They like, licensed ever? it. No, the one that they had was a license from uh, Maverick. So that's so he had yep. this. This is like 2007, yeah, 2008, something like there. that. Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. what sort of space age technology is this? Yep. Like it was the, and so by default, he was the coolest person I've ever yep. met in my life. Yeah, so yeah. that was my first Crank Brothers kind of brand that I knew of, you know? Yeah. I, uh, so yeah, going back to that, that first pedal, that egg beater. Um, what uh how did how did one pedal turn into a company that makes you know seven different kinds of pedals and tools and pumps and wheels and dropper posts and all that sort of stuff or yeah for sure yeah i mean man it's um you know crank is such a such a cool company um and i really didn't even like i mean i just liked the pedals i was riding for a while (laughs) right like yeah, and I heard of Crank, and I'm like, yeah, it's cool. But you know, finally, when you get to the brand, you kind of hear the story, and you get to meet the people. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. So um, yeah, like you said, the Egg Beater was one of the was kind of the highlight of Crank, and what kind of put Crank on the map uh, in the in the late '90s. And uh, actually, the, what really made the brand start was a tire lever. <laughs> that was the oh, first. That was the dude, first. I forgot about the tire lever. Speedy lever, the speedy lever. Yeah. Dude, I can't believe I forgot the speed lever. Can't yeah, believe so that. that was the first one. And that was the telescoping yeah, one, right? Really cool. 
Yeah, it hooked up to the skewer and then telescoped out and it allowed you to like work around the wheel. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was just a, such a crazy product. Basically, it had the normal tire lever in for like spooning a tire off of a rim, and then it had this telescoping arm that you could like ratchet down to the axle to like brace the tire lever against the tire and like work a tire off or on more easily. It was air quotes more easily. Yeah, it was crazy. It was it was crazy, and and funny enough, there's people that are still calling about that thing. Did you still like, make this? Like, no, dude. <laughs> like, people were still calling about that, and one guy was like, "Hey, I finally broke it. Can I get another one?" I was like, "Dude, that thing is like, we haven't made that thing in so long." So, right. um, but yeah, so that's that was Crank's first product, and um, Crank's second product was the Egg Beater, and kind of the, like get the story behind crank is um crank was founded by two um engineers um and they're local guys in laguna and um man there's so much history it's so cool i'll just like elaborate real quick but um laguna is actually uh when mountain biking started you know in marin it was actually blowing up also in laguna um and it I mean, as much as everybody talks about it, it was big in NorCal. It was also like booming the same time in SoCal. And it actually, this area was historic for it. And um, to this day, actually, if you go in the mountain bike museum in Marin County, uh, the first ever established mountain bike club, legit club, like, you know, in the States or whatever, was um, a club called the Rads. And they still actually are in Laguna and they still meet to this day every Wednesday and ride every night. Um, and they, they hold a race every year. Um, it's called the Leaping Lizard, and it's down the famous Talonix. And that, that trail is 40 years old, dude. Like, they had, I think, the last, the last race was the 39th anniversary. So, um, yeah, super historic spot for riding here in Laguna. But um, the two engineers are Carl and Frank, hence the name Crank Brothers. <laughs> it's a <laughs> combination of their names. <laughs> and, that is great. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and uh, Carl and Frank, uh, super cool guys. They're still in the office today, um, which is very neat. Uh, and they're still tinkering around and making parts. Um, they, to kind of give you the story business-wise, they, um, they sold the, the brand of, uh, to um, most recently an Italian group um, that bought it, which is, which, owns, uh, which is owned by Sally Royale, which owns Physique and, and uh, you know, Sally Royale. So it's a, it's a group. And... Um, yeah, the Italians have come in and kind of changed the structure of the program and, and brought unique uh, business um, tactics to it, which has helped the brand for sure. But originally, it was started by Carl and Frank. That's awesome. But going back, the egg beater. Yeah, but the, going back, the egg beater was created because in Laguna Beach, it's sand. Um, and when it rains here, it's awesome. But when it, when it rains here too much, it's like peanut butter. It's really bad. Um, and it's And the story was that um, Frank, he's the big rider. Carl is a rider also, but Frank is the one that's like, he's 60 years old and still riding like trails. I don't even touch like gnarly stuff <laughs> here in Laguna. But, uh, Frank was riding. And of course, you know, when it, it's like peanut butter, you're, you're like in a cyclocross race, your, your, your pedals get clogged. So uh, I think he was riding clipless pedals, Shimano's or something, and they got clogged, and he was super upset. And when you get engineers upset, you know, they come up with their own stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> he, came out, <laughs> he, came, he came out with the egg beater, and, yeah, it was the best mud shedding. It didn't have any issues. He wanted to make it easy to get out. I mean, it has a very unique feel. 
yeah. um, to it. But um, yeah, that was that was kind of the birth of of the egg beater, and then pretty much um, it took off from there. You know. Well, you know, um, going back to late '90s, early 2000s, like coming out with a pedal, like you know, you're taking on Shimano and and time for for uh, a segment of the market. They got locked all the way down. So to, to, yeah. to come out with a product and be like, no, dude, like you're never going to want to ride a Shimano pedal ever again. Um, it's kind of a bold statement. So kudos to those guys yeah. for, for taking on, I mean, anybody that goes up against Shimano, I got to tip my hat. I mean, we're sponsored by Shimano this year and I'm super happy with my product, but you know, going up against a company of that size from a startup is that's a, that's a noteworthy pursuit. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even to this day, I mean, we're still kind of the small guys, but at least, you know, I feel like really we're almost the other brand that you're riding kind of clipless. If you're not riding Shimano for the yeah. most part, you no, know, for, I mean, of course, there's out- unless you're over, over the age of 60, you still buy time, but nobody else does. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, in, in our store that that's like, that's the, the conversation you know, this year. We don't have our demo and rental program up and running cause it's just a wacky year. But, um, but yeah, as far as demo rental pedals, it's a, it's either you ride platforms or Shimano or, or crank brothers. And that's, that's, that's the discussion pretty much across the board. Um, I have to say that crank brothers probably has the best $50 flat pedal that exists. I've sold literally hundreds of those things this you year. You have like it's like Easter downstairs. You have every color imaginable of the stamp that you Dude, can find. That pedal, I find a better one. I dare you. It's great. I mean, and it's cool. I mean, it's, it's nothing. I mean, it's it's a great pedal. It's um, I mean, it hits all the marks. But I think what sets us apart is that we offer different sizes, which is unique. You know, um, exactly. And then you know you can you can really tune it. You know, with that and. You know, yeah, we want to really just make the experience, the riding experience, better. That's that's, that's our main, that's our main deal. Um, yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So we're stoked on it. Um, yeah, the the stamp one is great. We're really excited about it. But man, the new stamp two and three just came out, and poof, I mean, we just we got some stamp small. twos in the the magnesium body. I don't know if there's another one oh, coming. The threes, threes are the magnesium. Okay, the, the threes, threes are alloy. Okay, yeah. So I I have a question. So. um I just I had a buddy in town last week from Nike, and um, he's on like this advanced research team. It's crazy. He works on like Olympic stuff, and uh, you know, but Nike's a shoe company, right? And so, like in you know inside internally, kind of the shoe division is the is the heart, and then you know they build they have a lot of other stuff, obviously, like everything. But the shoes, the heart, you know, what is like the heart of Crank Brothers? You know, I mean, is it because you guys you do you're kind of across. All kinds of things: there tools, pumps, uh, pedals, wheels, posts. I mean, it's a full bike company. What's the nucleus? Like, what's the heartbeat? Like that that team kind of is the, you know, they're the soul, and then we all build from that. For sure, for sure, yeah. I mean, for sure, it's our pedals. Our pedals is, I mean, that's where I think we have um, our biggest our our biggest platform, and also um, where I think we made the biggest difference in the industry. For sure, is our pedals. So. Um, yeah, uh, our pedals are unique, um, the design and, um, yeah, I think that's, that's probably where, uh, we're not necessarily putting the most focus now. I mean, we have, we have the wheel project and a few other projects that we're putting a lot of focus on now, but yeah, our, 
our, our main thing that we focus on and we pride the most right now is, is our pedals for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's winning world cups, you know, it's, it's our top, it's our top product for sure. Nice. So, um, well, that's a good segue to talk about the two products that the no ride around team uses, which is wheels and seat posts. Um, and I have to reference the older products to express how good the new products are. Um, yeah. so, um, this is what we call a shit sandwich, Seb. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, no, no, no. Because be I mean, served up. <laughs> it, it, look, dropper posts just universally sucked at a certain point. Like there were ones that were slightly oh, yeah. better than others, but you know, if you're riding a dropper post in 2002, 2007, 2008, like it was just a, it was a, it was a hand grenade with the pin pulled every ride. Like <laughs> it was just, is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, it was so good to have it that you were willing to put up for it. At yeah, time. You know totally. what I mean? It was, like, it was better than stopping like, and pulling I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. So, I mean, I got my first, uh, my first dropper post was a Crank Brothers Joplin 3, three inch drop. Okay. Um, that was the first one I ever got. I got in 2008 and everybody in the shop was talking shit. What do you mean? You don't know how to ride with your seat. You got to stop and blah, blah, like just talking mad shit. I'm like, no, dude, like, (laughs) trust me, this is the, this is how shit's going to be. And, uh, everybody rolled their (laughs) eyes at me. Oh, it's too heavy. It's this, it's that. Uh, the only thing that it was, was too unreliable. Um, <laughs> it was great to have. I loved having that thing, man. Um, even with this, like I didn't do that now I wasn't as progressive as I'm making myself sound. Um, I refused to have the lever on the handlebar. So I had the, like the weird, like under the nose of the seat thing going on. So I was like halfway there. It was like baby steps, but, um, you know, that was, earlier in the episode I mentioned that was that was technology that they just licensed from uh Maverick which was a bike company uh I think they were here in Colorado uh and it's just I mean I I owned two of them because one was always broken <laughs> yeah it was tough man I mean, I mean, it, was, it, was super it was early days right it was just early days and it was early days I mean they were they were I mean it was Dropper posting, it was dropper post at its infant stage. And I mean, honestly, it was really hard to get right. I mean, even now, um, we're, we're playing with post and it's still today. It's still, I mean, we got the reliability down, but like, for instance, playing with stuff for the 27.2 and creating reliability mm-hmm. is huge, you know? Yeah. And it's still hard to this day to, to do that stuff, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. It's tough for sure. And at the time it was really tough. And yeah, I mean, at the time, I think it was just cool to have it. Um, but yeah, I mean, even I can't say the Maverick was great. It was just cool that we had one. Yeah, you <laughs> just mean, had one. And, and for for people who are newer to the sport, like the alternative was this post called a gravity dropper, which was a different kind of like it wasn't a ticking time bomb in that it would fail, but like it had this pin and spring system that if you hit a bump wrong, it would just punch you in the in the taint, like. It was, <laughs> did you ever see one of those like it was literally yeah a, i remember that that was dude it was, it was gnarly dude i mean i the uh we've had uh coach andy from dirt smart on the on the show before and he was running one of those and i mean once a month he'd get he'd hit a jump and his post would let go and you know he'd he'd get 
varying degrees of injured. <laughs> I mean, so, that's a, it's either injured or not. He either got whacked in the nuts or he didn't get whacked in the nuts. Well, he would always what a scary way always, to go off a jump. He would always get whacked in the nuts. It's what happened when he landed. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, that's terrifying. Um, so you know, fast forward, there was there was a, a, a version in between the the Joplin and the the current Highline that I don't even remember. Um, but the current Highline, and I, I was hesitant when we first started talking with crank brothers, um, just based on previous experience, but the Highline's solid and it, it got better from our first year, uh, 2019 to this year. Like there's a noticeable improvement in that seat post. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, the one that was before that was the chronologue. That's that it. The chronologue that was in between. Yeah. Yep. And that was tough too. That was, it was still trying to figure it out, you know, yep. pretty much, but, when the Highline basically dropped them, that was when I think we started definitely getting it figured out. Um, I think the actuator was a little bit tricky. Um, but, I mean, if you knew how to work the actuator, which was just simple instructions, um, it wasn't an issue, but it still caused a lot of issues. Um, so, but talking about the current Highline now, I mean, we're at an awesome spot now. I mean, the current Highline is, it's, man, I, it's one of those things where it's great and I feel like that's where it should be, where it's like you forget about it on your bike. Yeah. You know, like, my current highline, like I just, I, I, the other day I was, I was actually, I just was, you know, you stare at your bike, you look at your bike a little bit and the other day I was like, holy crap, I haven't done any things to this thing for the last two years. I just thought about it. I was like, man, maybe I should move this thing. Or like, you know, when you feel bad <laughs> just for a product. So, like, I should take so care of my bike. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, man, I should do something to this thing, but it's, it's, it's great now. You know, I don't even think about it. And I actually had, before I was with Crank, I had another, I had a reverb, you know, and, and you know, that thing, I mean, I mean, nothing against reverbs. They're all right and they work well, but like, yeah, you just have to service it often. And, you know, sometimes you just, like you said, you kind of had that before you kind of had that, like, man, am I going to have that on this ride? Am I going to have an issue with the post or something like that? Right. Is, like, it gonna you know, is it going to fail? Is it going to give me an issue? Yeah. No way. The reverb is like the face mask I was talking about before you came on. It, it's disp- it was disposable in my head. Like the second you had an issue with the reverb, it was game over. Like if you took, like for me, you know, I took it in the shop and be like, dude, this thing's like, you know, it, it doesn't come up. It's stuck. It's, it's falling. It's what, anytime there was an issue and they would rebuild it and charge you to rebuild it. This shit always had an issue. Like to the point where if a reverb had a problem, like dude, throw it away. And I guess you got to buy a new post. <laughs> it, yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it's not a, it's not a reverb bashing, but there's just like product. Re, they were the gold standard and now everybody caught up and then passed them. Yeah. I think. Right. And then, and then the post is still good. I mean, and the new one is actually really nice. I mean, they have great product for sure. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it just takes a little bit more with that. And, um, and with ours, you know, it's, it's unique. We're, you know, talking about what you were just saying with serviceability is, um, on the new Highline seven, for instance, it's four years, man. If you have any issues within four years, you just get another cartridge. And I mean, man, it's, I've had honestly, like I've had Ikea manuals hurt me more than like, than, than, <laughs> than, than, than our manuals were like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm a mechanic, you know? So like for me, like if, if I have a harder time with that, then, then it's so easy to change out the cartridge in the Highline. So yeah. Um, yeah, we're really stoked that it's super easy to change it. Nothing hard. I mean, we're making good for the shops too. We don't want the shops to be struggling you know, right. uh, with the service and want to make stuff quick, quick turnaround, you know? So well, the um, setup, yeah, we're really stoked. You know, from my side of things, I mean, we we took a gamble on Crank Brothers last year because Crank Brothers took a gamble on us, um, and I, I was super excited about my synthesis wheels, and I had reservations about the Highline, um, and 
you know, now, now where we're at with the Highline 7, um, it's setup is easier. The post works faster. Like I know everybody that I talked to was like, Oh, I mean, it's kind of fast. And, and then you get the new one and you're like, no, that's like the return speed is where it needs to be now setups where it needs to be. Right. So it's just, a, it's a, a noticeable improvement. Like I said, from what we started on in, in 2019 with you guys to, to where we're at right now. So, um, Hey, it's a great post. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. We're stoked. And the, and the three is just awesome too. It hits the, the great thing about the three is that it still provides the same performance, but you know, you get a hundred dollars off with that. Yep. And I mean, of course the warranty comes down a little bit, but the performance, the performance is, uh, it's still really good and, and, and dialed. So, uh, we're really stoked about that. And then the, the three, you can get it in all sizes, which is cool. So, nice. uh, even the crazy size is 34, nine and all that good stuff. So, yep. Yep. Um, how well, about those wheels though? Yeah. We need to move to the wheels because all right. it was another one of those things like the old, the original. So, you know, crank brothers came out originally with like their twin spoke proprietary paired spoke thing going on. And my background as a mechanic, I've 10, I've, I've, I've shied away from proprietary stuff, whether it's spokes or rims or, hubs and that product had all of them <laughs> right <laughs> uh, for sure for sure absolutely and um and it's not to say that they didn't ride well because you know going back you know a number of years um you know 2009 2010 um we were selling some ibises i think that either came with them or we were doing some upgrades and the people that bought them rode them and loved them and there may not have been a more striking wheel set on the market with the colors and the anno spokes and the hubs and the the rims it's just a really unique look um but you know again that proprietary thing was always a little bit of a turn off to me fast forward to synthesis yeah. and and that shit's gone right like it it accepts a, a normal j-bin spoke you can use whatever hub you want um and so the the story, the technology story on synthesis isn't about the hubs or the spokes anymore. It's really about the rim. Right, right. And basically the the I would say the recipe we're doing to create that ride feel, you know, um, with that. So uh and the recipe is, you know, meaning spoke count, spoke tension, the uh different gauges we're using front and rear uh, on the spokes. Uh and of course, like you said, the rims are different. Uh, the only thing that's proprietary really is just the rims, front and rear. You know, you have to use a specific rim for the front and rear. So that's that's the only thing that is proprietary. But yeah, um, really, really excited about synthesis. Um, the twin spokes were great. Um, really love that. Um, and at the time, it was cool. I mean, even if you think about what they were trying to do with the twin spoke was, um, you know, we always try to make our rotational mass less, you know. So they were trying to bring all the weight closer to the hub and not have the weight out towards the rim, you know, effectively making a uh, less rotational mass, which gives you better wind up and, you know, a bunch of other things. But, um, I think that from, from that performance perspective, it was good, but, um, they were also trying to maybe strike a unique look with the twin spoke, um, which was great. It looked cool. Like you said, a lot of people were like, Whoa, when you saw that. Um, but, moving forward, um, we just wanted to pri prioritize on like performance. Um, and that's, I mean, ultimately, yeah. I mean, if, if it looks good, it's one thing, but man, I mean, 
performance is not also just to go faster, but it also means being safer. You know, um, mm-hmm. if you feel that um, you're safer, I mean, you're going to go faster, but it, why not just feel safer, you know, and feel have more confidence. So, and that's all about um, like, that was for our podcast, dude, we're always dude, like safety fifth. I mean, that's always a big focus <laughs> for us. Safety last. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people know me, right, they know so, that I I'm mean, always safe. I'm trying to be as safe as possible on the trail. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. So yeah, I mean, what I mean by that is it transfer, it translates in like, you know, if, if you have a wheel set that's less chattery, you know, on the trail, um, it's safer, you know, you're going to yeah. have, you're going to feel like you can track a line better and you're going to, you're going to feel safer on the trail with that, you know? So we really wanted to focus on performance and, and, and safety, you know, just performance in general, which, um, equates in safety and speed, but, um, and not necessarily go for not necessarily put looks ahead of that, you know? Um, so we're very, very, very fortunate, um, with synthesis, um, which, you know, our CEO, um, he wanted, he's like, Hey, I really want to get into the wheel game. It's a super saturated market already. Um, there's a lot of great wheels already out there, but you know, he wanted to get into it. Um, so super fortunate. He was able to hire, um, two engineers, um, Mello, uh, Bowmeister, uh, which was Bowmeister wheels. I don't know if you know about that. There's a guy out of, um, out of Australia. He was actually doing the single wall rims before zip was, this was like, five years ago. Um, so if you look him up, Bowmeister wheels, he's not, I mean, he's working for us now, but yeah, he was doing the single wall wheels before Zip even did that a while ago, a while ago. And then, um, then we hired also, uh, um, Jason Shears, which he actually founded, uh, Envy. So, um, (laughs) yeah, his night night ran out and he got hired. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So we got some, we got some serious firepower, you know, sure. engineers behind it. And what was cool is, I mean, and what's really unique and that's how the, the name synthesis came about is you have, we hired two engineers with very radical ideas um, in wheels. So uh, one is Envy being super stiff, of course, and everybody knows Envy, how stiff they are and the racing pedigree for just being strong and stiff. And then Mellow, which if you already know or understand the zip, the zip moto three wheels, um, and how everybody talks about how compliant they are, uh, with that single wall, uh, action. Um, that's what mellow is. So, I mean, man, we got like the yin and yang of wheels. We got one guy that likes wheels, super compliant. And we got one guy that likes wheels super stiff. Um, so, uh, with that being said, man, it was like almost like a battle royale. They, they, <laughs> mellow brought his wheels and Jason brought his wheels. And we're like, let's see, let's, let's put the clock on it. Right. Let's see what's going on. And this is kind of what I, uh, read from uh, from the, the the test procedure and everything going on and and funny enough they found uh, inconclusive results. Some riders <laughs> like stiff wheels. <laughs> some riders like stiff wheels. Some riders like compliant wheels. It was like yeah. it was everywhere. It was like it, it, it didn't it didn't make sense. So then they started mixing the wheels. Like they started putting Mellow's wheel in the front, Mellow's wheel in the back. They started swapping wheels, and then they never saw this before, but. After that, every rider was in was 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 in the same conclusion that they like this setup better, and they'd never seen that before. Never seen that before from a pro rider to an amateur rider, where like they said, "Hey, this set felt the best," you know. So and can you it was can yeah, you, it was now the wheel in the front and and Jason's wheel in the back, right? Pretty much. And so, um, can you pull back or not pull back the curtain, but just explain to to everybody? what the difference between the front wheel and the rear wheel is in the synthesis wheel set and why? 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, with that being said, compliant front wheel, stiff rear wheel. Um, we'll talk about the rim first. Uh, this, the layup in the rim is completely different in the carbon rims. I and mean, we do have alloy also, but in the carbon rims, the layup is completely different. Um, there's a different spoke count, 28 in the front, 32 in the rear. Um, and the layup is completely different in the rear um, to help with certain deflection, radial, and then the other one lateral. Um, and yeah, there's just a difference front and rear. And also even the internal width is different on the rims to accommodate a different tire profile front and back. Um, so there's been a lot of, lot of thought process on, on basically optimizing the front wheel specifically for that job and optimizing the rear wheel specifically for that job. Um, so yeah, that's what's different in the rim. The, the spokes, of course, um, we use Satin, uh, which is super, super high-end brand um, up there with DT. And we use their spokes uh, belated on our level 11. And then we use double butted on our uh, performance line. But yeah, we use different gauge, thicker gauge in the back. Um, they're strongs and then they're uh, lights or sprints in the front, depending on which model it is. Um, and then, yeah, uh, a, a more compliant spoke in the front. And then, yeah, it's pretty much that. But then also there's different tensions per front and rear, which we give all these, everything, we give everything on our support documents for that. So it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's, the, it's, it's a normal wheel build, but there's just a lot of intricate parts that go into it to make our wheels ride the way they are. And the rim is definitely special. But then after that, it's really the recipe of doing all this to make that right, you know, like baking the cake. So. That's awesome, man. I mean, I've I've ridden a big enough cross section of carbon wheels to to say that it it's there, right? Like you haven't probably ridden quite as many years worth of carbon wheels, Justin. But you know, you've ridden Ibis. You've I've broken all of them. <laughs> you've broken, but all, I haven't broken the Crank Brothers ones. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've got to break all. Yeah, I've got to have. break Ibis a couple of times. I've got to break a couple of Envies. Yeah, um, I've yet to break yours. Trying, I am trying. Full send mode trying. But uh, put it this way, I've never been descending a trail and thought to myself, like, man, I, I hope I'm being nice to my wheels. Like, that's a that's taken for granted. So Not even a thought. <laughs> but haven't broken yeah, yet. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it happens. I mean, wheels, you know, I'm not saying our wheels don't crack. I mean, for sure they do. And, you know, they, they can. Um, it but, happens, And it's right? happened before. But it happens. But I tell you what, it's really unique. Um, even Jason was talking about this and talking with him personally about it um, one time when we were just catching up with the wheels is they, they really even focus on, I forgot what they call it. Like FD something It's fail detriment. It's basically how the wheel fails. And basically even Jason was really adamant on when it does crack that like we've had cracks, but we haven't had a real, really explode. We had a crack and the guys are just riding down. like, Oh, it's cracked. You yeah. know? And then we, fix it you know so but in the event really of a failure it's not catastrophic i guess exactly 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 so um yeah that's been it's been a big one for us um but yeah uh the wheels are strong and man we we have some of the best testing facilities too i mean besides you know our facility in utah which we have awesome all these crazy machines so cool to see all that stuff happening but you know we got to in the back door so yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, go test we, it on we, a, we one of the most iconic trails in North America. <laughs> exactly. So we hit, we hit DA trails for lunch, man. And try them. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty unique that we have all this, uh, all these resources to really make sure that we're putting out good product. You, uh, at the beginning of talking about the wheels, you mentioned chatter. 
And, uh, you know, I, I put a, a fair amount of miles on my synthesis wheels last year. And, uh, after race season was over, as is always, as is the custom, you sell the race bike and you get the fun bike for the, for the fall. And, uh, I, I replaced my race bike and I just bought an off the rack bike with carbon wheels. And first ride out was in the fall and the whole descent, I, I kept pulling over and letting more air out of my tires because I wasn't on the synthesis wheels. I was just on a off the rack carbon wheels and they're great. Super, super nice, reputable brand, good warranty. But after a season of riding a short travel bike with the Crank Brothers rims and then moving to a longer travel bike with a different brand of rims and noticing that, you know, the course of, it was that day you rode your cross bike on North Table. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had chatter. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I seriously, like, it, that was when, because I had switched from Envy to Synthesis and then from Synthesis to uh, a different brand. To a different brand. Um, I don't want to badmouth anybody because um, it is all just, sure. t- it is just, you know, preference and taste. But after getting used to the positive qualities of synthesis as far as, you know, that compliance factor that you're talking about, I mean, I just kept letting air out of my tires. I think I finished that descent with like 15 PSI before it felt right, but, you know, at, at, at what cost, <laughs> right, you know? Um, right, the front end feels a little mushy or, yeah, or whatever. Or maybe. You know, you hit a big enough rock, you're definitely going to slam your rim. So um, that was that was the defining moment for me on synthesis where I was just like, Oh wow, there is a noticeable difference. And for, for what my tastes are and what I want out of a bike, it's, it's all positive. Which I think that you given that experience, you know, I heard, even though I have synthesis 11 wheels on my race bike yeah, and I love it. I also don't really think a whole lot about it. Right. Um, not most of us from rec to even elite level racing, don't have enough opportunity to try this one, try that one, try that one, try this one. So it's like, you're going to buy what you buy and that's what you have. And so even now I feel like I'm more educated to share why this crank brothers situation is different. Cause I didn't really get it. You know what I mean? I was just like, Oh, it's wheels. And I ride on them. <laughs> um, but it's crazy. Even for you, like somebody who knows this, you took you a whole season of riding one thing and then go back. Yeah. And in one ride being yeah. able to be like, Oh Instantly. shit. Right. Yeah. So, um, so that's the funny thing I hear that all the time is like initially like when they get on their wheels like oh man they ride great like everyone's like they ride they ride awesome and then when they go back that's the biggest thing when they go back you know to the wheels they're like whoa something's different for yep. sure you yep. know and that's usually what I hear for sure and for me like you said um, and you mess you were messing with that front wheel I think the front wheel is the magic in the set you know um, and just like like we talked about that was the biggest thing I noticed when I started riding the synthesis is, is that front end chatter, you know, where when the wheel is too stiff in the front, um, you, it tends to ping off things and mm-hmm. it just doesn't hold the line at steady. You know, you just feel like it's just, it's starting to chatter and it's starting to push. And it's, and also the, the, when synthesis does do it, it's a little bit, it's, 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 it's catchable. Like when you know, sure. like, okay, yeah, it's more predictable. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's, it's, I think that compliance in the front is really the, the, and at least for me, that's the magic because I ride on the front a lot. I like to ride big, uh, long bikes. So I tend to use the front wheel a lot. And for me, the front wheel is the magic in the set, you know, which I really like. So I'd agree with that. Um, 
Well, cool, man. Um, I think we're kind of getting close to when you need to get back to work and kind of close to the end of the episode. Um, is there anything you want to add that I didn't ask you about or didn't cover? Honestly, I mean, no, I, I, I'm not sure what else you want to know, but I mean, no, the I brand mean, is anything, uh, yeah. dude, <laughs> like whatever's on your mind, man. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, not necessarily for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, anybody that has, um, you know, questions on cranks, I mean, we're feel free to to call us. I mean, I'm usually the one sometimes answering the phone. Uh, if, if you have any questions or uh, about the brand, I mean, we're, we're open and we, we care a lot about what we're doing. Um, we're riders too, which is, uh, I think that's, that's important, you know, to have people that are, that are, uh, passionate about the business and, and we are so. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, if anybody has any questions or anything about crank, feel free to hit us up. We, we always like to hear our customers and, and talk to them. So, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Me, Sorry. Really. I, I just got a message from, um, myself giving my damn gravel wheels, man. When are we going gravel? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, currently we have the zinc wheels, the twin spoke stuff out right now for gravel, but, uh, I tell you. Um, I can't talk about everything, but we do love gravel. We got a love for gravel, um, and uh, we got some things in the works. So nice. I can't. Uh, Maybe we'll talk to you. To you yeah, talk to you about that next year, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about the next one, but definitely we hear the gravel, the game, and 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 we love it, and we're we're working on that. So for nice. soon, for sure, soon. Nice, nice, dude. I'm I was so happy to have you on, and so happy that you're able to take the time. And uh, definitely appreciate you coming on. Appreciate the opportunity. Anytime. Looking forward to being on next time. For sure. All right, dude. Hopefully you can make it out to Colorado sometime soon. Oh, I'd be, I'd be, <laughs> dude, I, I, love, I love it out there. It was like the thick of quarantine. I, and like one of my Facebook memories from when uh, Sebastian was here came up. We were riding out at uh, Three Sisters. And I was like, I just had to sit into him. I was like, dude, when can we do this shit again? Right, right. Oh man, that was so good. You know me. I'm a, I'm a big kid on the bike. Ultimately, man, I get on my bike and I'm just ear to ear. So. Yeah. Well, uh, stay safe out there, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, we can start traveling and hanging out again. For sure. Likewise, guys. Be safe out there. All right, dude. All right, Thanks again. Well, that was cool. Yeah, it was awesome. I think that man. was awesome. I didn't know he had such a history. Dude, in- I mean, I, I knew a little bit again just from following him on socials, but and we've hung out a ton of times, but. Uh, never really gone that in depth with kind of his background. Um, yeah. Ferrari, you know, just a little company. You, yeah. may, have, you may have heard of him. Yeah, no, you might. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know the crank brothers. I didn't know. It was, anytime you hear that was funny. He's like, you know, it's two engineers. They didn't like something. So they'll make their own. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most engineers I know, they don't like something. They just bitch about how they could do it better. <laughs> they don't actively go and do it. <laughs> ben Dan, they just, <laughs> bitch about how it could be better and here's how here's how you could do it and those dudes just went and did it that's pretty cool so um i didn't know the background of that yeah and i i'd completely forgotten about that tire lever that crank brothers had made now they still use that name because they have the speed the speed lever now speed but lever, it's just like but a it's different handheld thing yeah, yeah. and like mechanics love that thing i i don't but you know uh, mechanics love that thing. so you know guys this is obviously you know, we're, we're supported by Crank Brothers, and so we have to call attention to the fact that this has maybe come off a little bit like, uh, I don't want to say an advertisement, but those guys have shown us tremendous amount of support for the last two years, and uh, 
You'd be remiss not to point that out. And just be yeah, I, I mean, I just wanted. I, I think Justin and I both just wanted to to give them their due, right? Yeah, totally. Like yeah. they they hooked us up huge for the last two two seasons. Um, there's been no racing this season, and so some of the stuff that we committed to doing um, on aboard their product, um, we haven't really been able to execute to the or in the spirit of what the agreement was built on. So. Um. Yeah, I, I just. I mean, I don't know. You can ask any hiker, equestrian, <laughs> or other biker that I pass. I've been racing a lot. Well, just not against anyone. <laughs> like I said, I mean, it, it, it's certainly not in the spirit of right. how yeah. we originally set things up. So, uh, I hope this didn't come off as too advertisement e. Uh, but Crank is a good company. Um, we sought them out to to work with them um, because it was a product that was interesting to us. And uh, they've been, a, I think, a fantastic partner. Yeah, to think, I mean, a front rear wheel set specific to what those wheels need to do and then having, you know, icons in the wheel building world be the ones responsible for it. That's crazy. So, yeah. Um, so huge thanks to Crank Brothers. Thanks, guys, for listening. Hopefully you at least learned something. You know so much more about this background stuff and the tech nerd than yeah. I don't. Yeah. So to hear it, I'm like, oh, man, that's like super cool. Like I'm walking away. I know I'm going to talk to two people in the next 24 hours and be like, dude, did you know uh, this stuff about this stuff? <laughs> Yo, you won't believe what I learned while I was podcasting. <laughs> so, um, Well, I, I do have to give uh, you know a massive shout out to uh, Brad Barber, who is – the guy who was instrumental in linking us up with uh, AJ and Sebastian at Crank Brothers and getting that to happen. So massive thanks to those three guys as well. Um, that's all I got for right now. Yeah, man, guys, we appreciate you listening. Uh, as always, man, we're here to try to figure out. Somebody asked me the other day, they're like, what's the whole point of the podcast? I go, dude, passion over perfection, man. Just freaking figuring out this bike stuff. Yeah, well, and what's better than just sitting around and bullshitting with your buddies about bike stuff? You know, I love it. That's why so. Sebastian's still in the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. Are we? Are done. So get the fuck out! Are we? Are done. So get the fuck out! Are we? Are done. So get the fuck out!